It was almost real, the Pro Wrestling History Podcast, episode 35. Welcome to this episode of It Was Almost Real, the Pro Wrestling History Podcast. My name is Ken Zerman Jr. and this is the podcast dedicated to the history of professional wrestling between 1870 and 1920, although sometimes we stretch into the 1930s. And in this episode, we're going to discuss a five-hour match that occurred in 1878. But I'm joined in studio today not only by my cousin, Dangerous Dan Zimmerman, Hello! But the prodigal son, Caleb Zimmerman, has returned for a episode. Welcome oh, back, Caleb. Look, I'm infrequent, but I'm still here. I hate it, man. Like I said, we really want to get you in for the uh, Christmas episode, because it actually will be released on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've never heard the Happy Happy Christmas song, so... I am not. You've sure typed it up. You'll have felt that I deprived you in your childhood that you had not heard that. It's I'm the sure best song that was never released. Yep. <laughs> they say that about every song that was never released. Right. <laughs> and we made quite a hit with it at Christmas when we would sing it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it got lots of people excited. <laughs> For you to Not, stop? It, probably in the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it kind of encouraged almost wrestling on Christmas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But so for the for the update, um, we're actually recording episode thirty five after Dan and I recorded episode thirty six. So next week you'll get to hear us go over a YouTube documentary called Three Hundred Fifty Days about the normal schedule for a territory wrestler in the seventies and eighties, probably sixties as well. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that uh, we didn't point out yesterday, we really went in depth about some of the evils of the road and how the life is not as glamorous as a lot of people think. Mm-hmm. But when you look at today's wrestling schedule, it's about three times a week. So even if you wrestle every single week, you're going to get about 156 matches in in a year. You mean you're not going to wrestle 400 days, uh, 400 times a year like Hulk Hogan no, I did? I would say no hope. <laughs> oh, I forgot. Hulk Hogan lies all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just look and see if his lips are moving. Right. <laughs> but, um, so you're talking about in a 10-year span, you'll have over 1,000 matches. Mm-hmm. They used to do that in three years. Yeah. Back in the old days. That's why the product is not as good today as it was back then, because they were much more practiced and skilled at it. Yeah. Whereas you have a lot of things you can see through today just because they haven't had the time in the ring to cover it all up. Yeah. No, they look like they failed theater in high school sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I tell you well, what, that's we, what, what did we call AEW was extreme gymnastics. Yes. Yeah. And WWE was uh, bad public access. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was MMWA from. <laughs> yeah. But um, so we'll, we'll talk about that in the next episode. Uh, update wise, I have started on the. New book on Ed Strangler Lewis's early years. I think that I'm going to end up covering 1910, where he has his first. It's probably not his first professional match, but his his first professional match against a single opponent because I believe he learned to wrestle in the carnival shows and the athletic shows. So he probably had matches professionally before that, but his first recorded professional match against a single opponent that was billed and they built up for a match was in December of 1910 in his hometown of Nakusa, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And we'll definitely go up to the end of 1915 and early 1916 when he goes to the International Wrestling Tournament in New York. I just have not decided if we are going to cover 1917 or not. I'll know that further into the project. Okay. Because it's about becoming Ed Strangler Lewis. And after that mm-hmm. 1915 international tournament, he does have a national reputation after that. Right. As a mean dude. 
<laughs> as a not great guy. Right, yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about the match today because a lot of the reasons that pro wrestling became worked, it probably never would have been a popular spectator sport mm-hmm. if it would have stayed a legitimate contest. Right. Have you ever seen an amateur wrestling match? Yes, you've shown me. Okay. Yeah. So think of a inconclusive amateur wrestling match where both people are about equally skilled. Mm-hmm. With no time limits and no scoring systems, it's going to go to a fish, finish. Yeah. So even when they went to a finish, and remind me of the caveat about the work versus the legitimate contest. Mm-hmm. Even when a legitimate contest went to a finish, you might have two to three hours of very little action. Yeah. So one of the ones that sticks out in my mind, well, there's two really. The first was a match in the 1880s between William Muldoon Mm -hmm. and his toughest opponent, who was uh, Clarence Whistler. And they wrestled seven hours without a fall. Gosh. Uh, the only people that were left there were a couple really hardy souls that wanted to see if somebody wanted the referee and the organizer. Everybody else just <laughs> left and said, the hell with this. Well, yeah. I'll go watch paint dry outside. It's more exciting <laughs> than what yeah. we're seeing here. And the caveat is a lot of people will think that the long matches were all worked because it was common mm-hmm. for the matches to go two to three hours when they were working because they were trying to... What that would do, if I'm working a match with my opponent, mm-hmm. we've got people out working the crowd placing bets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because we're going to make a killing on whichever one of us wins. Yeah. So we slow the match down. We keep it exciting enough to keep their attention, mm-hmm. but we slow it down so the guys can get out there and work the people working the bets. Yeah. You know, can get out there and, and get people to bet on the wager on the match. Mm-hmm. Plus, you gotta remember that money was tight back then, and these guys didn't want to see a match over in fifteen minutes because they're not gonna think they got their money's worth. Yeah, they want to see some, a, a contest that they paid. You know, oh well, that was yeah. worth paying for. So they're gonna go a little longer to make sure people feel like they, and they're really gonna go a little longer to pick the pockets of well, yeah, sucker. Exactly. They can get <laughs> the money out of their pockets. That's why they call them marks. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really do believe that's where that term came from. Right. Uh. <laughs> and so, because a mark in a con is the victim or the sucker. Mm-hmm. But you would also have legitimate contests that would go a very long time, too. Mm-hmm. Yes. So one of the ways you can normally tell it's a legitimate contest, if they're working, they're trying to keep the people interested. They're right. not trying to bore them to death. Mm-hmm. You know? Typically, yeah. So if you see the, the crowd looking like they've attended, you know, a history lecture on, yeah. you know, uh, the charge-up Kettle Hill or something... <laughs> You, well, that pro- it probably is a legitimate contest. Well, you know, yeah. see, that would interest me, though. That's <laughs> yeah, it would interest me, too, but it's probably not going to interest a whole lot of people. Right, yeah. We're, we're history guys, so it's... <laughs> and so, before I get into the this match, the other one that sticks out to me is because it ruined the tournament. Mm-hmm. So, in 1915, Frank Gotch had retired in 1913. In 1915, okay. a European promoter by the name of Sam Rockman comes to the United States with the intention of establishing Alexander uh, Aberg, who was a Russian wrestler, a Greco-Roman wrestling specialist, as the recognized world heavyweight champion. And to do this, he puts on a tournament in New York where he has all these international wrestlers come and wrestle. Mm -hmm. And there were some work matches in there, but for the most part, they were contests. And Aberg wrestled Vladik Zabisco, the other Zabisco. So Stanislaw Zabisco is one of the greatest wrestlers in American wrestling history. He was a Polish wrestler. He came over here to wrestle Gotch. Gotch beat him in the one match they had, and then Gotch would never wrestle him again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Ed Strangler Lewis, in the 1920s, when Zabisco was in his early 40s, and mm-hmm. uh, Lewis is in his prime, said Zabisco was on, one of only two wrestlers, the other being his training partner, Joseph Tutsmont, yeah. that he thought could actually beat him in a shoot. Oh, yeah. So Stanislaw Zabisco was the man. Now is that his brother Vladik is a good wrestler, but yeah. he's not on the level of Stanislaus. But he's also a Greco-Roman specialist. Stanislaus was a Greco-Roman specialist when he first came here. Mm-hmm. 
he started wrestling with a bunch of catch wrestlers to learn catches catch can so he could challenge Gotch. Yeah. So Vladik Zabisco and him wrestle a contest at the end of the spring tournament. They were the top two wrestlers. No, Stanislav. Now, uh, is that uh, Larry Zabisco's grandfather or great grandfather? No, there's oh, no relation. There's no relation. Okay, so no. Zabisco was just. He a, just took that name because, because I think a, he's of Polish descent and he knew everybody. And still in the 60s and 70s, probably everybody knew who Stanislaw Zabisco was. Yeah. Uh-huh. He died in 67 and Vladik died in 68. Okay. Actually in St. Joseph, Missouri. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> they settled on a farm after their wrestling careers was over. Mm-hmm. And Vladik Zabisco was buried in St. Joseph. Mm-hmm. Oh. But uh, Stanislaw Zabisco was a widower and his wife was buried in Saco, Maine. And that's where, uh, when he yeah. died, they... Took his body back to Maine to be buried next to yeah. her. Yeah, well, that's 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 the right thing to do. Yeah. But Vladik was the second best wrestler in this tournament. Neither one of them had been defeated by anybody, but they hadn't wrestled each other yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They wrestle a match that goes almost four hours long, and it ends because Zabisco collapses. Mm-hmm. Now, normally that would be a forfeit, and Aberg would have won. Mm-hmm. But they didn't want to have the title switched that way because they didn't think people would uh, accept it and anoint him the successor to Gotch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they just called it a draw and said, we'll have the match during the fall tournament, which they did, but it killed the tournament. In the spring, they were drawing uh, full crowds of 6,000 people mm-hmm. to the Manhattan Opera House. In the fall, they couldn't draw a thousand people there, and that's where they came up with the gimmick for the Mass Marvel to uh, try to save the tournament. Yeah, but it was inconclusive. Neither guy could get an advantage, and the write-up in the newspaper was one paragraph. That's how little action took place. I mean, it's a Greco-Roman wrestling match with right. two guys who are very evenly matched. So they're standing there, tied up mm-hmm. in an upper body hold. For three hours and forty-five minutes. Right. Did you even sh- I, who am a grappling fan, would have mm-hmm. been okay? I've had enough of this. Yeah. Didn't you show me that match? I feel like that was one of the first no, ones you showed. I could me. not have showed you that because there is no film of it. I think we talked about it though. Yeah, we you, probably did. Yeah, because I remember hearing about this because I'm like, yep, Sabisco. I remember that name. Mm-hmm. I remember yeah. the three-hour lockup. Yeah, yeah, I probably talked about this match. Yeah. Um, because I've talked about. The 1915 wrestling tournament in the Mass Marvel and a couple of podcasts. So mm-hmm. yeah, I probably talked about that one before. And so that I just recently discovered this. So I listened to a podcast called "Shut Up and Wrestle" well, with Brian Solomon, mm-hmm. and his guest was a guy named Carl Stern, who's a historian who is mm-hmm. actually one of the few that looks at the same uh, timeline I do. Okay. And he was talking about Henry Moses Dufer, who was a specialist in collar and elbow wrestling. Mm-hmm. Well, I knew of John McMahon, who was a specialist in collar and elbow wrestling, and mm-hmm. who William Muldoon really didn't want to wrestle. Right. Mm-hmm. And I discovered Dufer was the champion before McMahon. McMahon actually beat Dufer for the title. Huh. So I started researching Dufer because I wanted to know more about him because, according to uh, Carl Stern, for a long time... Collar and elbow wrestling was referred to as do for wrestling because he was so synonymous yeah. with the style. Um, so Dufer, who was born in uh, born on May fifth, eighteen forty four, in Richmond, Vermont, he wrestled primarily in the northeastern United States. Although, funnily enough, uh, after he retired, he eventually moves to California, and that's where he passes away in nineteen seventeen. But it's got to be rough. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. But he wrestled a match, and it was a return match, with a wrestler named Cox. They never gave his first name. Mm-hmm. So, Old Cox, the, the yeah. collar and elbow wrestler. And they wrestled at the <clears throat> Boston Baseball Park. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have to take a drink here, because the allergies is starting to get me yeah. again. Yeah. So I said, we had to get us a... But uh, I, I didn't mean that that's tough that he's done. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's tough that he got buried in California. Yeah, we... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, as to not offend the whole state of California, I'll keep my <laughs> remarks to myself. <laughs> well, we lasted all of 14 minutes before we started running people down. Um, do you have anything bad to say about Boston? I hate the Patriots. I hate the Red Sox. I hate the Bru- No, I don't hate the Bruins. 
but I would never say that to their face. And <laughs> I, and I actually like the Celtics. Well, like, no, I hate the freaking Patriots. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that's fair. No, remember yesterday I told you my ringtone used to be shipping up to Boston. I said, wait a minute, I hate the Patriots. I hate the Red Sox. I hate the Celtics. I hate the Bruins. I'm changing my ringtone. <laughs> I don't hate the Celtics or the Bruins. I despise the Patriots. But you know what? I don't hate them as much as I used to because I've always said they stole a Super Bowl from us. Uh-huh. But since those traders all moved to Los Angeles, who cares? Right. Serve exactly. them right. Yeah, uh-huh. We're going to have three states listening to us by the end of this. Well, there's the rest of the world. <laughs> I'm not saying anything about bad about the people that live in Boston. Yeah, just I the hate the Patriots, right. and I don't like the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't like the Red Sox because they beat the Cardinals in a World Series. Well, so I guess it's sour grapes. Was it 2013? Yeah. Or? I thought it was 2004 they beat us. It might have been. I, I, I thought we beat them in 13 and they beat us in 04. It could be. I, okay, I'm so, old. so I, mild, I mildly <laughs> dislike the Red Sox. Yeah. But I hate the Patriots. Oh, yeah. You yeah. are my 30th favorite team. And if the Cowboys and the Rams didn't exist, you'd be 32. Mm-hmm. The... Uh, Let's see the Patriots. They had the Patriots versus the Cowboys on a week or two ago. I'd rather watch Sissy Boy slap fight. <laughs> yeah, than watch that. I tell you what, I would rather watch. Right. Um. Oh, the long kiss goodnight, the worst movie I ever saw in the theater. Right. I would rather watch paint dry. I'd rather watch a NASCAR race. Hey. Um, <laughs> the Indianapolis 500. Oh, yeah. Do you want me to leave the studio? I mean, I can go out right now. I mean. <laughs> Uncle Dad's going to start breaking up furniture here in a minute. We were talking about, and I hope I haven't lost my place here, but we no. were talking about a few weeks ago how mm. people in the watch WWE and AEW, mm. they have these hellacious fights on, well, I still call it Twitter. Right. I, I think Elon Musk lost his mind. Right? Oh, it's Renamed Twitter. It. No one's calling it X. Well, thank God. <laughs> yeah, nobody's yeah. calling it You know, that. you send somebody a tweet. What the hell do you send them on X? <laughs> a post. <laughs> the most generic thing we can think of, a post. So, but they get on there, and it's like you've insulted their dog. You've told them their baby yeah. is ugly. Mm-hmm. If you don't like their particular brand of wrestling, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I or think, you don't like the wrestler, right? I, I'm not fond of L.A. Knight, but I'm going to get a lot of backlash over that, apparently. right? Because apparently he's really over with people. Oh, he beat the crap out of Jimmy Uso and Solo Sokoa the other night. So, oh, did he? Uh huh. Yeah, Jay's my favorite. So mm-hmm. him and Roman. <laughs> Uh, I couldn't stand him when he was Roman Reigns. Now that he's a tribal chief, I'm like, hey, I like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if they go into, they have fits. Well, how can you not like this guy? Oh, he's the best one out there. I don't like him. Man, it's <laughs> right. And it's it's like we were talking about. I don't think Uncle Dan has ever in his life watched a Mexican television show, or missing out. Go on. Uh, or you know. Um, you're not a big UFC fan at all. No. Uh-huh. No. So he doesn't like MMA. Yeah. You know, that's my, my sport. But he loves car racing. He always loved auto racing. He's always looked forward to the Indianapolis 500 every year. Yeah. Heck, remember? At one I, time, I never... I wanted to be a, a race car driver. Yeah. I never felt the need to come in there and tell him, why are you watching this garbage? <laughs> I'd rather watch cars rust in the springtime. What's the matter Every if everybody liked the same thing, yeah. we'd have very little of one thing mm-hmm. and too much of the other. It's it and makes when, variety to make a world go round. And when I ask you, when I see you watching MMA on your computer, I'm like, oh hey, who's fighting? You know, I'm like, okay, who's the guy you want to win? <laughs> right, <laughs> right. It's it's not his thing, but yeah. he doesn't feel a need to fight and argue with me over it. Well, it's mm-hmm. nice to know that Twitter is the same no matter whether you're talking about. Politics or wrestling. You know, exactly. It's yeah. the same in every corner. Uh, yeah, it's like you went and told them their kid was ugly. It's like, yeah. guys, it's just a couple of performers. I mean, I don't know this person personally. Right. You know, Nelly. I love Nelly's music. Mm-hmm. I've watched every episode of Nellyville multiple mm-hmm. times. But I don't know Nelly personally. Yeah. yeah. So if you insult him, I'll be like, Okay, I don't know him personally, so maybe he could be a jerk. What I've seen of him, he's not. Yeah, Seems no. to be a very good father, and he's a mm. heck of a uh, hip-hop artist. But, you know, I don't know him personally. Yeah. yeah. Now, you come up and say something about you, well, now we've got a problem, because I know yeah. him. He's my son. Yeah. So, uh, it's, a, it's a different story, so...
Now, where were we at? Oh, here we are. Yes. Back to the Boston ballpark where 500 fans showed up to see this match that took place on June 27, 1878. 500 people sounds like a spot mud show today. Mm-hmm. But it's actually, that was a good crowd for the 1800s. They start, didn't start getting into the thousands mm-hmm. until Evan Lewis in Chicago. Oh, okay. it, it was no, Mostly the crowds were 100. Um, I'm trying to think of the the match that was such a disappointment for everybody. Everybody had been looking forward to it, and uh, almost nobody showed up for it. It was uh, was it Acton and Bibby? Like 200 fans showed up for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they took a bath on it. They rented the Madison Square Garden. Oh gosh! And attracted like 200 people. Oh man! The organizers took an absolute bath on the match. Yeah, yeah. that's bad. So, even though we think 500 fans ain't much, it, it was a good crowd in the 1870s. Yeah. And unfortunately, like so many legitimate contests, it, it turned into a stalemate. So, in collar and elbow wrestling, they wear jackets, and these were probably more like suit jackets or mm-hmm. very thick material, mm-hmm. but it was sort of the same principle as judo. You yeah. use oh. the jacket to throw them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, because you know all about a judo gi. Yeah. And so, um, Dufer wore a red jacket in the ring. Cox wore a green jacket. And then um, they get tied up. So, um, is there anything else I want to cover? There's like a 10-pound difference between the two of them. Dufer's 175. Cox is 165. That's small for today. Yeah. Uh-huh. Back then, those guys were heavyweights. Yeah. That's, you know, we would be monsters. That's what we covered that yesterday too it's like you know we, we just <laughs> yeah I was uh, too small to be a wrestler in the 80s and early 90s mm-hmm. today I would be bigger than a lot of the guys that are wrestlers mm-hmm. oh yeah. yeah and then you'd be a monster <laughs> oh yeah you know we put him out <laughs> <laughs> so they start the match at 319 Remember that, 3.19 p.m., that's going to be important. Uh-huh. Okay. And Cox wrestles defensively throughout the match. He he believes Dufer is better than him, so he's not going to give him any opportunity yeah. to throw him. Uh-huh. So Dufer takes the offensive in the very beginning. He secures a toe lock, but Cox is able to shake it off. Dufer tries to trip him. Cox jumps over his foot. I don't think he jumped over his foot. I think he moved over his foot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dufer switched to an inside lock, but the referee stopped the match because Cox's jacket was up over his head. Yeah. Oh, like now, this all sounds very <laughs> exciting, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, it, it doesn't when this is... It takes place over about four hours. Ah. So, Dufer continues going back and forth. So, finally, the referee's getting sick of this and tells Cox, you got to do something, you know? Mm, yeah. <laughs> And so Cox tries for a hip lock, and Dufer immediately throws him onto his hip and shoulder. Cox said, okay, that's it. No more trying to do anything. Back to the defense. (laughs) So for the vast majority of this time, Mm -hmm. they're tied up in an upper body hold on the jacket, like when you tie up a judo Mm -hmm. to start a match. By 7.50 p.m., we started this at 3.19. Uh Uh-huh. By 7.50 p.m., Cox was not tired out, and Dufer wasn't tired out from trying to throw him for four hours, but the referee had about enough. Uh-huh. So the referee was a gentleman by the name of J.G. Lathrop. But he said, I'm not getting paid nearly enough for this. Right. <laughs> well, I think he was the host of this shindig. We'll oh. soon find out. Uh, he tells the guys, look, you guys either wrestle or we're calling this a draw and going home. This is yeah. getting ridiculous. Uh, neither the wrestlers nor the crowd wanted the match to end. What was wrong with this crowd? These are 500 diehard fans. Yeah. And you've seen that little action in four hours. You're like, no, I can't end now. we got to see the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to go on another four hours. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they must have really not wanted what was on the table for dinner that night. So Lathrop lets it continue for another 25 minutes, but at 8.15 p.m., he's like, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. He says, there's been no noticeable progress in this match. I'm going to declare this a, a draw. Mm-hmm. So the crowd starts booing and hissing him, and the wrestlers are like, no, we don't want to do anything. Mm-hmm. So Lathrop says, okay. He just steps off the mat because 
these matches didn't occur in rings. Yeah. They would occur on elevated platforms or stages with mats on top of them. Mm -hmm. Lathrop just walks down off the platform and goes back to the dressing room. Lathrop, besides being the poor referee in this ridiculousness, is also the president of the Union Athletic Association, who I think was hosting this shindig Ah. in the first place. So he sends one of his assistants back to the mat area to announce the match as a draw. So if the crowd turns ugly and beats the snot out of somebody, <laughs> it's going to be the poor assistant, and it could be later. Hey, he's so, smart. He's smart. <laughs> so the assistant gets in the ring, announces, the match has been declared a draw, and hijacks it back to the dressing room as quickly as he can. Uh, the crowd did were grumbly, but they didn't really riot or anything like that, which was always a possibility back then. Yeah, they yeah. thought they got ripped off. Well, this wasn't a Guns N' Roses concert at Riverport. This right. Was, this was a civilized event. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then Dufer and Cox didn't jump out and start uh, punching up with the fans. Yeah, either. exactly. So that was pretty much how that match ended. Now, why you would ever want to go back and watch another wrestling match after that, I have no idea. But these fans didn't even want it to end. No, don't end this. Figure this this match had gone on for five hours, and we get a two-hour show on. <laughs> like, man, is this ever going to end? I can't take the WWE show. I wouldn't watch an AEW pay-per-view. I think those things are five hours, period. AEW ones? Yes. Oh, God, that's even worse than WWE. Three right. hours. And WWE's bad. They should never let a pay-per-view go more than two and a half, three hours, because that's about the limit to what you get. Well, you, well, UFC WWE fights are too long. Two and a half yeah. hours too long. Yep, yeah, UFC <laughs> fights are too long. And so you get a regular WWE pay-per-view or premium live event now, it's three hours. Yeah. But if you get WrestleMania or Royal Rumble, those oh, things are four to five. Four to five, yeah. And it's way too long. And who is going to sit there and... I? I have trouble sitting here mm-hmm. at, at night times. Good thing I sleep some of the time when I have, you know, to do my, you know, nightly thing here mm-hmm. that takes six hours. Yeah. You know, you're t- I, I don't have the patience for that half the time. How somebody that's got a functioning mind mm-hmm. and got other stuff to do has five hours to watch right. a premium live event like a WrestleMania or a Royal Rumble. When you can read the 15-minute recap show right. and you the day could, after. And you can yeah. go, if you've got Peacock, which I, I let go, because so I, I, I want the listeners yeah, yeah. to be able to see whatever we review, so it's only going to be YouTube stuff, because mm-hmm. anybody yeah. can review that. Yeah. God, and Peacock just has the worst user interface I've ever they seen. They do. Oh, yeah. They've got a lot of great content, but just horrible <laughs> interface. <laughs> They've yeah. got great content, but you... You've mm-hmm. got to make it work for you. Yeah, yeah. horrible interface. And the thing that's sad is the WWE network had been developed, mm-hmm. and it was actually pretty user-friendly, and they just chucked that all out to make it fit their platform, which is terrible. Yeah. They should have taken what they did with the network yeah. and put that into Peacock, and I think people would like the experience a lot better. Well, it's like whenever HBO went to Max. <laughs> oh, and- by the way, Disney+, Plus, you are out of your <laughs> ever-loving mind. <laughs> What? Their premium plus for a annual thing yeah. is seventy nine ninety nine. Do you know what? It, no, no, that's what it is now. Do you know what it's going to? Huh? One hundred thirty nine dollars and ninety nine cents. It ain't worth it. What I already canceled they it. Prime. They're on drugs. Jesus. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me of that. You're welcome. Uh, I guess the mouse is tired of eating cheddar. He wants a little. Uh, Look, <laughs> these streaming services are suffering because HBO Max went to just Max, which I refuse to call it, like Twitter. Yeah. And they somehow forgot that they had a functioning app and chose a terrible one instead. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, you literally had it where I could get to everything I can like that. Why did you change a single thing? Right. All you had to do was change your logo. Mm-hmm. You're done. You know, the only streaming service that I have now, I let the Discovery one go. I let the um, the Peacock go. The only one I have right now is Paramount Plus. Yeah, I have Paramount Plus for football season. I'm going to have that at least until... Uh, well, and my son. And it's reasonable. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Blue's, Blue's Clues. Blue's I'm probably going to have to keep that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I went to just the, the regular monthly thing on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. And if the boys quit watching it, I'm just going to get yeah. rid of it. But well, it's seven ninety nine a month. Yeah. Which is... 
It's not terrible. I know, and it's cheaper than that one thirty nine ninety nine. I just got to put up with a few commercials. But guess what? I put up with a few commercials. Well, and you know, and I got news for you, chumps. If you raise up ESPN Plus to that ridiculous level, no matter how much I love MMA, that's the next thing to go. Mm-hmm. I love the EFL and I love MMA. You know, but if they try to jack up ESPN Plus, they already put a big ticket on it last year. Yeah. I thought it was a ridiculous increase. Mm-hmm. Well. Family plus my eyeball. I ain't had my pocket pick like this in years. Right. No. Now I tell you what, the, the Disney going back to the Disney thing. But I had two grandsons, so if they want to watch it, I'm gonna suck it up and pay the monthly price for it. But I'm gonna say, boys, I'm sorry. At these prices, you're gonna have to watch a few commercials. Yeah. Papa had to do it his whole life, so yeah. well, we had no choice. Yeah, there was no streaming. Yeah. But you know, and I did sometimes get to skip the commercials. Because I was your grandpa's remote. I was the guy that used to sit up by the TV. Mm. And he'd say, hey, see if the other game's on the other channel. Click, click, click. Well, <laughs> and, you know, it wouldn't be a bad thing if Disney was paying, you know, saying, hey, you got to pay this, but, but look at the shows we're giving you. Right. They have terrible shows on. Right. They don't even put all the content that's up. So, I, 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 I love WandaVision. I love WandaVision. Mm-hmm. Um, I like The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Ahsoka was okay. Most of their Star Wars shows, I think, stink. Mm-hmm. Since they've taken over from Lucas, those last three movies were terrible. Oh, what's the one that uh, was... Um, Marvel, I pretty much tapped out on. Yeah, what was the one that was on before Ahsoka? It was... Um, that would be uh, Boba Fett. Yeah. No, 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 no. The one where it was, there's like no lightsabers and stuff, and this guy was... Uh, oh! The kind of the, the, Diego Luna. I actually yes. liked that one. Yeah, that uh, was a good one. I can't remember the name of Cassian it. Cassian Andor. Was it just Andor? Andor, Andor yeah. yeah. Uh, where he's Cassian Andor. That was a good one. Ah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, he's one of my favorite actors. He was in Narcos Mexico. Uh, he was El Chapo, he, wasn't he? No. He oh. played uh, Felix Angel... Felix Gallardo, he's the one oh. that organized all the, let me get his name right, Angel Miguel Felix Gallardo, he's the oh. one that organized all the plazas in Mexico originally. Oh, okay. Um, his big mistake was once they uh, kidnapped the DEA agent, he took part in uh, their murdering him. Yeah. That's what got all of them. So that that was horrific. Yeah. My voice is starting to leave me again. Yeah. Well, you had to yell at Disney. Right. I couldn't believe that when I saw that today. They sent me the email. Yeah. And I'm like, you must be out of your ever-loving mind. Yeah. Yeah. Screw that noise. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that on podcast. But well, we haven't cussed cussed, so. Yeah, screw. I, I think we're fine. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, we try to keep this a classy podcast. Yeah, so. I, I, want, I want people to be able to listen to it with their children. So. Oh, yeah. Because we have to confess, we do cuss occasionally in real life, but... Occasionally. <laughs> some of us are worse than others. <laughs> some of us are really worse than others now that I think about it. <laughs> Look, I'm trying to get better. I'm only 24, okay? <laughs> Still got issues, man. Hey, it's all right. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, we, we do try to keep it clean because, believe me, if, if we didn't, uh, the ear bashing we gave Tony Khan, which was completely deserved, <laughs> would have been a lot worse than it than it was. The FCC might have taken us down. <laughs> well, I don't think the FCC monitors the podcast. Oh, they don't? Okay. They just monitor how Okay, you listen to Jim Cornette every week, too. Oh, yeah, you? yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think we're pretty safe. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I was listening to Jim Cornette before you guys came over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Caleb heard him a lot when he was working at the university because he'd ride home with me. Uh-huh. And we would listen to him in the car. Oh, uh-huh. gotcha. I, I still say, and <clears throat> I've got to give uh, kudos to Shut Up and Wrestle. With Brian or Solomon, that's a good history. There, mm-hmm. he has guests on there that are good hi- historians, mm-hmm. and Brian Solomon's a good historian too. He he looks at a different era than I do. Yeah, but he's a good historian too. And um, charting the territories, I really like that history podcast. Mm-hmm. Again, they're more modern and they're focused. Yeah, I like that. Well, but the best 
history. They don't dwell as deeply before 1920 as I do. Mm-hmm. But the best history podcast for wrestling out there, not this one, I wish I could say that. I think we're great for the era that we study. Yeah. But the most entertaining and the, the best history podcast out there are both of those Jim Cornette shows. Yeah. Now, I'll tell you what, I will say Although, that they don't do as much history anymore. They've been reviewing all these terrible shows. Yeah. Well, he I was, don't know how they're keeping their sanity. He was reviewing uh, Adam Copeland going to AEW. Yes. But um, i tell you what, one of my favorites, and I don't know if you've uh, listened to any of the episodes or not, but uh, Storytime with Dutch Mantell. Yeah, I've, a good I've, podcast I've seen too. a couple. And you know who else has got, uh, every once in a while, some of them aren't, because he doesn't really want to say anything bad about anybody, uh-huh. which I can appreciate. Yeah, Don Morocco occasionally has a pretty good podcast too. Oh, okay, I didn't know he had one. Yeah, he's he's got one. I I see the clips on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I don't listen to the podcast. I, yeah. I look at the YouTube clips. Speaking of YouTube clips, I think eventually we got to get to our our review. Have, yes. have we done everything we needed to do? We uh, cussed and discussed Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, family. Friendly, I, I real family friendly. I offended most of California and Hulk Hogan. I, I said some bad things about the Patriots. It's easy to yeah. hurt Hulk Hogan's feelings. Don't worry. I know. I don't think it is easy to hurt his feelings. He <laughs> didn't even sell it when I called him bo- bogus. Yeah, I four was feet with, from him. Yeah, and almost got us killed. He just got to deal with Slim Jims. He wasn't angry. About it. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. So I think. Well, I think those guys were smart. He's a fan favorite. He shouldn't be paying any attention to this. <laughs> I don't know. I was sixteen or seventeen at the time. I had to be seventeen because you were with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you'd have been fourteen. Yeah. So yeah, I was like, "Bulk bogus, you suck," which he didn't even pay attention to. But I, his fans were sitting around us. Yeah. They got a little salty about that. <laughs> I think what saved us was one: we weren't small, so it, it yeah. wouldn't have been the easiest. Yeah. Beating they ever administered. Remember, remember, Bundy had to come through the door sideways because yeah. he was too wide to come through that stage door. Yeah. <laughs> At the, at the old, old Opera House? At, yeah, the old Keel Auditorium. The door, they mm. weren't very wide. You know, they're stage doors. Yeah. Actors are not, you know, normally 400-something pounds. So he had to turn sideways. Bundy come comes up to the door and goes, erp, erp. Yeah, because it was great because we had seats that were right next to the rail. Mm-hmm. And Aunt Willa let us, because I was 17, he was 14, and we weren't small. She didn't yeah. figure anybody was going to mess with us. Yeah. She didn't count on me, you know, calling the most popular wrestler there, Boat Bogus. Mm-hmm. Um, so she let us go, and we were sitting right there by the aisle, so we saw all these guys. And, and I say it to this day, I've been in bodybuilding gyms for 30-plus mm-hmm. years. 30-plus years. Mm-hmm. I have never seen a set of shoulders as wide on another human being as I saw in Don Morocco. Yeah, That was the widest set of shoulders I have ever seen. Morocco used to have... The physique of Hercules. I mean, he was he was uh, huge. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, you know. Not as cut. He got a little bit cut up there in eighty six, eighty seven, but mm-hmm. not as cut. But guy was huge. Yeah, he was. Just but we got to see, and they're so much bigger than mm-hmm. when even when you see them on TV. When you're that close and you see them come down an aisle, you can really appreciate how big they actually were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I mean. I guess I was close to 175, 180. I think maybe what, 200. I don't. I don't think I was 200 yet. No, I've been lifting it? weights for three years at that point. Was that pre WrestleMania three? Because I know I remember that match. Cause yes, that, that was the yes, night. It was pre WrestleMania three because uh, Savage and Steamboat wrestled that night. Yep. yep and that uh, was pre WrestleMania three. As a as a Savage fan, that I was. You know, pretty helpful. I, I I was ready to go after that match. I didn't care who Hulk Hogan was wrestling. <laughs> yeah, but I wanted to yell at him. Yeah, so. that probably further infuriated the crowd because several of them were probably into their cups by then. Uh huh. I'm sure they were. <laughs> but I think the thing. thing that saved us yeah. was one: we we were kids, and I think everybody realized we were kids. But man, the looks we got and the things mm-hmm. people were saying. I think some guy was thinking about throwing his beer on me, but he thought better of it. Yeah, that was quite a fun day, though. Uh-huh. Dan didn't yeah. enjoy it nearly as much as I did. I kept feeling this hand pulling back of me. He's like, sit down! Sit down! <laughs> and I wasn't paying attention because I was busy doing what I was doing, yelling yeah. at the guy. And all of a sudden, I look around and I'm like, 
Oh yeah, people are. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I was a pretty obnoxious. But that was kid, one of the four hundred days he wrestled. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I was a pretty obnoxious kid, and I, I looked for opportunities to irritate people. Like that's fine. You obnoxious? Nah, never. Yep. <laughs> I tell you what, that teacher never looked down the hall with that little look at me. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The one we locked into the bathroom. Yeah, the one you said whose parents didn't love him. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say his parents didn't love him. I said, <laughs> who would name a kid that? Yeah. But no, he came out and he gave me that look. And I was like, and I was frustrated. I just kind of kicked that door thing and didn't. And then I looked down at that. And then I smiled at Paul. <laughs> and Paul knew exactly. He snatched it up. Me and Pete ran and hit that door. We put that door stop in. Yeah. Then, you know, when you kick and push from the other side, you lock yourself in there pretty good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're in there tight. <laughs> no, I was not a part of. No, he wasn't going to school with us. We were yeah. at a different school, and the principal came up to us later. He goes, "You mischievous young scamps! Don't, don't give Leonard a heart attack." Because <laughs> <laughs> we didn't get caught. You yeah. know, nobody could prove we did anything, but he knew. Yeah, I'm sure your sister and her buddy were going, "Geez." <laughs> <laughs> Yes, but you know, you would think that after all of these years and the growing up and the maturing that I would have second thoughts about having done that all those years ago. And I realized, I found out a couple years ago that he did pass. So I I do feel, God rest his soul, I didn't dislike him that much, you know. And after we did that, we actually got along a lot better. He never looked down the hall at me like that ever again. Yeah. But you would think that I would have, you know, had second thoughts about all of that. But if I'd have had the opportunity to do it again, I'd have done it again. Yeah, that's fair. If I would have caught him out at the mall and I could have locked him in the bathroom, I would have done it. (laughs) Ooh, now we're going back to the 80s, a mall. Look. So, I I should be chagrined, though. Mm. That was was not a nice thing to do. Mm-hmm. But it felt good at the time. <laughs> yeah. and, it, and it has been one of my prouder moments in my life. How many students do you know could lock a teacher in the men's lounge? It was a men's restroom. Yeah. The teacher's lounge was across the hallway, the men's restroom. But it opened out. Mm-hmm. That door, most of the doors opened in. Yeah. For whatever reason, that men's teacher's bathroom opened out. Yeah. And you couldn't have done it with those rubber door stops they have today. But with those wooden ones, mm-hmm. yeah. boy, you jam it in there good. And then when they're kicking and pushing from the other side, it just keeps jamming it. Yeah, it jams it in there pretty good. I mean, he would he would seal up there pretty good. It took a couple good kicks for the other teacher to get it out of that door. <laughs> but when I, I think back on that, how many guys you know could do that, get back in front of the classroom, mm-hmm. completely nonchalant, and get away with doing something like that? That did show a little bit of creativity. Oh, yeah. Is that what you told the Grandma? No. Oh, did she ever find out? No. Do you think I told Grandma? Do you think I was tired of living? Maybe as an adult you might. <laughs> I look like I was tired of living. Yeah, yeah. Your, your mother was... I don't know uh, that I would have told Mom about that when I was in my 30s. <laughs> she had softened quite a bit when you guys came along, but I don't know how she would have felt about it. I remember how she felt out when she found out that me and Aunt Becky used to play wiffle ball in the house. Oh, yeah? Uh-huh. Yeah, that, her eyes got about that big. <laughs> we were like, well, we might as well confess it now. We're grown adults with kids of our own. Right. We said that, her eyes went... <laughs> I was like, Beck, do you think we should have confessed that? She goes, I don't know. She ain't going for the fly swatter or anything. So. Yeah. She's looking for something heavier. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, you don't mess with your grandma. I've been in martial arts all these years. I mm. was involved in many confrontations on the street. I never hurt anybody. Nobody hurt me. You know, I always tied them up. Yeah. Um, ain't nobody ever hit me harder than your grandma. Yeah. I, I thought my last words on earth was I, I was irritating her one day, you know. You've and, been a teenager. No, I wasn't a teenager at the time. I was oh. probably eight or nine. Oh, Okay. But I was an aggravator even back then. Mm-hmm. 
And so I was irritating her that day. Mm. And she got so furious. She went, you are acting like a blue moron. And I went, <laughs> what's a blue moron? You know, those were almost the last words <laughs> I spoke on this earth. Yeah. Because I was standing there, and the next thing I knew, I was standing in the corner. <laughs> I don't remember how I got from there to the corner. I think I blacked out at some point. <laughs> but yeah, that, that was almost my last words on this earth. So if you think I was going to go home and yeah. tell your grandma, Hey, Mom, I locked the teacher in the bathroom today, and I got away with it. I was 17 at the time. Yeah. I wasn't tired of living. Yeah. The only thing more dangerous than that would be telling my grandmother I wasn't going to do something. Your oh, great-grandma. Yes, Grandma Ellis. Yep. She used to say, when you tell me you ain't going to do something, that's when you are going to do something. Yeah. So you didn't do it. You got to be all right there, Chief? Yeah, my soda literally went down the wrong <clears> road, and I could feel it, and I go, that was the last drop, too. Yep. Watch it. Now I'm going to have to cut that out. I gotta go back and edit. <laughs> I'm sorry I made you do words, Dad. That's what I'm telling you. Some of us are worse than others. Yeah. So let's get. Some to of this. us are better at editing audio too. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. You could edit it if you'd like. I mean, I it's fine. <laughs> All right. Anyway, oh, are we going to get to this, or, or are you just going to continue gassing on the whole night about all kinds of other stuff? I'm not. You're the one that's talking about locking people in bathrooms and your mom kicking I, I, your rear end all the way across the room so fast. She didn't kick me across the room. I, I, she grabbed my arm, uh -huh. and I don't remember anything from that point until I was standing in the corner a few minutes later. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, anyway, Luthes and Buddy Rogers. So let's get <laughs> let's get focused and get yes. back on this podcast. And you guys quit going off on all these avenues and stuff. Okay. Where were we at again? Buddy Rogers and Luthes. Buddy Rogers and Luthes. Available on YouTube. Mm -hmm. It's about... Uh, 38 four, minutes long. 38-minute match. And it's when Thez was the champion. Buddy Rogers would have been a top contender back then. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the background for this match, Buddy Rogers and Lou Thez were riding to a town. I believe it was the early 50s. Mm -hmm. And Buddy Rogers insulted Ed Strangler-Lewis because Ed Strangler-Lewis was the manager for Lou Thez at the time. And Buddy Rogers basically said, why do we got to uh, bring that old man into this? Because they were giving him part of the money for the match that they were getting paid by the promoter. Right. Part of this was set up because Lewis was almost blind. He was broke. Yeah. And Thez wanted him to be his manager so that Thez could give him part of the money mm -hmm. he made in the World Championship matches. And this was going to be a huge match. I think they were maybe in Cincinnati, maybe Texas. Mm-hmm. And he goes, why do we need to cut the old man in? Yeah. And that pissed Luthez off. Ed Strangler-Lewis was his hero. Mm -hmm. He was his idol. He had trained Thez when he was younger, along with a couple other guys. And if there was anybody that Thez had hero worship for, it was Ed Strangler-Lewis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when Rogers said that, he made an enemy of Luthez for life. Yeah. Thez refused to ever drop the title to him. When he dropped the title in the late 50s, it was to Dick Hutton, who mm. was a former NCAA champion, a legitimate wrestler, but a, he wasn't very much of a showman. Yeah. As a matter of fact, um, you always hear how Hutton never drew. Yeah. So a lot of times you hear these things and they become part of the popular mythology about somebody, but they aren't, they aren't really true. Yeah. Like the thing about Stanislaus Zabisco was he didn't draw as a champion. Mm -hmm. That wasn't true. He drew big crowds as a champion. Yeah. They took the belt off him for other reasons. Hutton, the story was always he never drew, and people left the NWA because of that, because <clears> they <throat> thought he was hurting business. They were exactly right. Hutton didn't draw. Hutton was from Oklahoma and couldn't even draw a capacity crowd in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. The crowd that came out was to see his match in Oklahoma, he, was, he wasn't... Exciting to watch? Or? Yeah, he had no charisma. Oh, okay. You know, because um, we do want to talk about the that... Steiner Math promo you sent me. Yeah. That, there is a thing where somebody gets lost, but they have so much charisma, they can cover it up a little bit. Yeah. Hutton couldn't have, <laughs> Hutton couldn't have covered anything. Yeah, he covered it. Yeah. yeah. Hutton couldn't have covered anything. And I don't think, I've looked, I don't think there is a single match of Dick Hutton's on mm -hmm. YouTube. Oh, okay. 
He wrestled longer than we thought. I thought he was done within about five years, but he actually wrestled up into the uh, mid to late 60s when he was almost 40. Mm-hmm. He, he After he lost the NWA title to Pat O'Connor, he kind of homesteaded out in California. Oh, okay. And he uh, wrestled in the LaBelle territory where Jewel Strongbow was the uh, booker. Uh-huh, yeah. Not Jewel Strongbow the fake brother of Jay Strongbow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the original Jewel, Jewel Strongbow. And, in fact, if you look, the California Territory went down mm-hmm. and was almost dead by 1980. Yeah. Because Strongbow died in the mid-70s. And uh, okay. the LaBelles didn't have a clue how to book. Right. He was a promoter, but he didn't have a clue how to put stuff together. So, Hutton really didn't draw. Yeah. But... Thez and Rogers have a really good match uh-huh. in this particular match. I highly recommend it. If you want to see two guys who knew how to work, and they're both of them are pretty much prime, mm-hmm. this is a great match. And Rogers has a great physique for the 1950s. Most pro right. wrestlers had bad physiques. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thez looked like a panther because yeah. he got his physique from wrestling and mm-hmm. swimming and he, yeah. he didn't like the weightlifters. He called them plate heads. Right. Yeah. But it's obvious Buddy Rogers spent some time in the gym lifting a little bit of weights and mm-hmm. probably doing some calisthenics and stuff. And like I said, the thing that stood out to me in that match, and once again, it's uh, it's technical. There's not a lot of this flippy floppy, oh, watch me, I'm going to do a backflip in the ring. Oh, well, look, I'm going to come off the top rope and for something completely unnecessary. You know, they were headlocks, wrist locks, Head scissors, technical wrestling—you know things that made sense. Yeah, you know uh, something that kept you engaged in watching the match. So that's what I took away. That's that's what I got from it. That you know, two guys in their prime having a contest and making it look real, and it was enjoyable to watch the the technical display that both both wrestlers had. Right. Uh, but and it isn't a boring. But you know, people think, oh, the nineteen fifties—it was just boring. They just rolled around. It wasn't boring at all. It was very fast-paced. They weren't jumping around like a couple of uh, gymnasts, but yeah. it was still interesting. Well, Buddy Rogers, I mean, he was kind of a showman when he was. Yeah. He got out there. They call, well, they call him a delicate little butterfly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he was a showman. He but knew he, what he know, was doing. He had the jacket with the sequins and the flashy. And, you know, he was he, he was kind of a showman of the of the sort. So. So what did you think of it? I, I always like to get your perspective because mm-hmm. you were not a wrestling fan growing up. In fact, this, oh. this is your first introduction to wrestling. Pretty much, yeah. No, I didn't even know you were into wrestling until you go, hey, Caleb, you want to do a wrestling podcast with me? And I go, when, when did you start doing that? Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, I was a fan when I was a kid. By the time yeah. you came along, I had pretty much fallen out of love with it. And mm-hmm. I rediscovered MMA in 2005. Yeah. When the Ultimate Fighter show came on, and then that's pretty much where my attention went. Mm-hmm. Unless ESPN Plus does, or Disney does something stupid with ESPN Plus. All right, but I actually liked you know what Dan was saying with how technical it is. They also were kind of defying what we were talking about before, where it's really boring. They were jumping, they were doing the moves, but it wasn't mm-hmm. flashy. So you were still getting something out of it, yeah, without it being just. Cheese, pure yeah. cheese. Like when Ricochet will come off the top rope and do a backflip, and the other guy standing across the room going, "What the hell is he doing? He's yeah. just jumping." <laughs> did I, did I show you that where he lands right on so. Sami Zayn's lap? That was hilarious. That I was, don't know what he that was, was intending to do. <laughs> yeah, whatever he was intending to do, he got lost about midway through that, yeah. and just ended up coming down. And fortunately, he's not as any heavier than he is, but still, I don't oh, yeah. want somebody that size mm-hmm. landing on my groin. All right. That was brutal. Yeah. Uh, so you sent me something, uh, and the you I'm talking about, since we don't have video here, is Caleb. Mm-hmm. And if we had video, that would be the boringest video of all time. Look, they know about the studio, which we can't allow. Right. Okay, no, no, no. This we, is a we top, don't, top secret location. Right, yeah. and we don't want to give away the setup we've got here in this million dollar studio. I know, so. right? I mean, I we spent no because you said that's the most comfortable chair you've ever done a that's podcast right. from. We spared no expense on this. We don't want somebody <laughs> coming here and, and wrecking the place. Oh yeah. yeah, I'd be highly upset. 
<laughs> so the you I was referring to was Caleb. Yeah. Um, you sent me the famous Steiner Math promo. Correct. And I have heard about this on very many podcasts, but that actually occurred on one of Impact, which I never watch. Right. Mm-hmm. And two, it occurred when I was not watching wrestling at all. Mm-hmm. So I've heard it talked about a lot of times. I had never watched it until you sent it to me. Yeah. It made about as much sense as the Three Stooges doing Swing in the Alphabet. It did. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm going to save my thoughts yeah. for uh, the end. Okay. What did you think about it when you first saw it? So if it was intentionally to be comedic, mm-hmm. they nailed the mark. Because he had yeah. the stutters in, yeah. you know... It looks like he's about to end it there because it's awkward. But then you take my 25% chance and he <laughs> keeps the joke going. So if it was like scripted, he nailed it. If it wasn't scripted, he saved it in the end. Right, yeah. It definitely wasn't scripted. Yeah. Um, well, it's like I said, it was so it was so comedic and almost nonsensical. Uh, kind of like the Stooges doing Swinging the Alphabet. B-A-Bay. B-E-B. Right. You know, that's yeah. just how he was going. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it was like you yeah. said, well, I'll take my 25% of my 25% yeah. and make it 100%. <laughs> yeah. So what I think happened was I think he got flummoxed up. He had an idea where he wanted yeah. to take that promo, but mm-hmm. he lost it pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> the thing I'll say about him, though, is he never stopped. He didn't. And right. that's one of the things, if that happened today, most people don't have the experience just to push through. They'd stop. They'd be like, um. But because he's got so much charisma and he just pushed through, mm-hmm. you just think, oh, that's Scott Steiner. Because <laughs> yeah. he would have sometimes give a promo like that. But his promos were good enough and he had enough charisma mm-hmm. that he could sometimes push through that. The person that I go back now, so when he came out, was the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. When the Ultimate Warrior came out, he never had a single interview that made a lick of sense whatsoever. But he would do it with such energy. Yeah. And stuff, people would be like, man, that was a cool promo. <laughs> no, it was godly good. When I was younger, I thought, oh, that wasn't too bad. It was... Now I watch it, I said, this guy is speaking English words, but none of them make a lick yeah. of sense at all. Yeah. It's like somebody took a uh, thing of words, threw it up in the air, and just snatched something and looked at it and just started reading it that way. Because it didn't make any sense. I'm going to go to the 58th planet and write it down. Mm. It was gibberish. Well, it's what he was seeing on that LSD. Yeah. (laughs) But said with the intensity that he said it. Yeah. And that it he could get away with it mm-hmm. even though it didn't make any sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Today they're reading scripted promos that they wouldn't say. Right. And I have never seen so many people get out there and say words that you would think are you 30? Are you 13? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. No. Now and they're not scripted in AEW Yeah. but they might as well be because they yeah. talk like no grown adults talk either. Yeah. <laughs> Well, talking about you know, the, although I've seen some pretty silly stuff in in real life, yeah, makes me That's, wonder. I had seen something today. I'm like, do adults really talk to each other like that? Uh, it depends on what generation, but yeah, yeah, I already know what you're talking about. <laughs> I was, uh, but we're talking about you know Steiner having a charisma and, and the uh, polish to push through a, a, a promo that he's. But but you know, there was two people. You now there's m- more, but the two people I remember doing some of the best promos. Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes. Yep. Dusty Rhodes doing the Hard Times promo. That's one of the greatest That's, promos of all time. We'll yes. have to review that. Yeah, we'll have to. Because you yeah. need to see that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't think when he gave it, he was like, this is the greatest promo of all time. But if you heard it, mm-hmm. and I heard it for the first time when he said it. Yeah. Yeah. That was the most amazing promo I had ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. That's Hard Times. Uh-huh. But when You'll Rick- never forget that. The cadence... Yeah. The way he delivered it, it was pure dusty. And he was and looking into camera yep. and shaking that finger. And and none of that was scripted. Uh-huh. I'm sure he came up with that all right off the top of his head. That it, He may have went out there with an idea of where he was going to take it, mm-hmm. but it definitely wasn't scripted. He didn't write it down or anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, of course, Ric Flair always had his trademark. Alligator shoe wearing, Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, jet flying, limousine yeah. riding. <laughs> Wheeling, dealing, kiss stealing, son of a gun. Woo! You know, it's a... So they were great promos. Yeah. And mm-hmm. today the reason they're not great promos is because that was, a lot of it was them guys with their personality turned up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I normally do. Even on this, I've not turned things up too much because Disney Plus really did piss me off. Right. Yeah. But I'm a little more animated, mm-hmm. just a hair. And I tone it down. Because I'm bit. trying to interest <laughs> people in yeah. the... The topic. Right. Oh, yeah. So I don't want to come up here like a college professor. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, if I would have graduated high school when I was 16, I probably would have been Professor Fuzzy Face of the History Department or the English Department. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But who wants to come listen to somebody say, and then uh, Mr. Doofer grabbed him by the collar, and then he grabbed him by the elbow, and then they kind of stood tied up there. Yeah. And then they went for a few legs. Probably as exciting as the actual match. If you, yeah, if you but people like, would be bored to death, and they wouldn't want to listen to the research. Mm. Well, I tell you, so what. I'm just trying to make the research a little bit more interesting, mm. make the show a little bit more interesting. If you talk, and I like really that, did like the teacher in the bathroom, <laughs> and I that was really one of the yeah. bigger accomplishments of my youth. Um, yeah. Hey, I was creative. I was creative. Yeah. Look. And you know who else I got faith that could do it, even with the cameras in the schools today? Hmm. Connor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love my sons, for, and they're great on their own, but Connor is chaos incarnate. Yeah. Solomon is too sweet to ever do something like that. God yeah. bless him for it. I tell but you I, got, I, got, I got a feeling Connor could pull it off. I'm sure he's I, I he see, real soon. I, I can see those yeah. I can see those little wheels turning sometimes. I'm like, yeah, that's my boy. <laughs> So, and I hope on the next podcast, you guys don't keep taking us down all these avenues and side streets. And I mentioned HBO Max, and you had a rant ready, so. Yeah. No, I had a rant ready because Disney Plus is out of their ever-loving mind. Yeah. 60% increase. <laughs> no password sharing either, so. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Cracking down on that like Netflix. We're paying $21 for Netflix. Because Christina's family and Poplar uses it. I was gonna say. Uh, I was gonna say that's yeah. more than what I'm paying, and I, I was looking at that going. Oh. They charge you for every new password you share. So oh. every household you got to pay for. See, yeah. I don't even have Netflix. I got rid of Netflix back when they were ma- mailing movies to you. No, I couldn't yeah. have watched El Dragon: Return of a Warrior if I didn't have Netflix. Right. Yeah. Or Who Killed Sarah, which is my favorite one. My wife watches all of those. If She watches Cobra Kai, the one based off the Karate Kid oh, movie. Yeah, I, I tried to get into that, but it was for me it was too different from the originals. Well, it made it made Daniel kind of out to be the bad guy and made Johnny kind of the, the, the good guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of like that spin on it, but other than that... Yeah, because they grew up and they... Took different paths. Yeah, I mean that could happen sometimes. Mm-hmm. You yeah. hope it doesn't. Yeah. yeah. But so next time, well, what are we going to talk about next time? Um, next time we'll do the Steiner Math promo. I thought we just did the Steiner Math promo. The well, Dusty Rhodes promo. That's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do hard times. Yeah. Hard times. We I got to look. And we're going to do... As a matter of fact, why don't you two wax philosophical about something while I check this out real quick. Are we going to do that Bruno San Martino, Nikolai Volkov? That's what I'm checking out right now. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bruno San Martino, when he fought Nikolai Volkov, both were, you know, kind of in their prime. And Volkov was still built. He had that barrel Mm -hmm. chest and that, you know, before he went to WWE and it all went down here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he got furniture disease. His chest was in his drawers. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, well, I watched a uh, documentary about Nikolai Volkov, mm-hmm. and I always saw him kind of as a a mid-card joke in the WWE. He was kind of Ooh. a driver. You know, he, he... What a reputation. Yeah, he was he was <laughs> with the Iron Sheik. They lost a lot of their matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a very short run as tag team champions, but I think that's just because everybody was getting a turn at it. Oh. You know, me, you, and Ken could have been out there and we would have got to the titles oh, yeah. at some point in time. But he was just kind of a joke. You know, he mm-hmm. always got beat. 
wanted to sing the Russian national anthem, you know, and uh, but you know, yeah. he was actually um, is very uh, very intelligent, very smart guy. Uh, when all the other wrestlers would want to go out and party and drink, Nikolai would go back to the hotel. Yeah. Uh, he was still. And he's sick. one of the few people that stayed married. We were yeah. talking about with that 350 days that we're yeah. going to review at the next. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because our next one will actually be the first one in November because we already did next week's bonus yeah. episode. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he stayed married to the same woman. Was it 47 <clears throat> years or 57 years? Uh, it was at least 47. Yeah, I mean, you know, and he was still. I was like, man, what? A, the rigors of the road. Right. Of the alcohol, the drugs. But like I said, he was able to avoid all that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and they said he was one of the nicest guys yeah. you could ever come across. You would ever want to, you know, talk mm-hmm. to. And, Who was the guy in Mid-South that thought it would be a good idea to challenge? Was that Matt Bourne to challenge Nikolai? Yeah, before he was doinked the clown. Yeah, yeah, Nikolai thumped him. Yeah, he did. <laughs> He's messing with the wrong guy because Nikolai was a hoss. Yeah, he yeah. was. When he but was, he was such a nice guy, he thought, oh, he's somebody I could pick on until Nikolai thumped him. Yeah. And then he realized, oh, I shouldn't mess around with Nikolai. Yeah. But, yeah, so um, history topic for next time. Okay. I think we'll probably delve into Ed Strangler Lewis's early career. I know we already covered the first six months of 1913. Yeah. But I think that might be a, a topic that we cover. Okay. And if it isn't, it'll be another topic somewhere around. Um, I don't want to do another schedule podcast. I don't want to do another long match podcast. Yeah. So we'll either do an exciting shoot or we'll we'll do uh, talk about Ed Strangler Lewis's early career. Okay. That sounds good. Where I'm at at that point. And uh, hopefully yeah. I can keep these guys on track better next time. I mean... You guys are just wax philosophical about everything. Well, because, you wow. know, you're Professor Fuzzy Face. You're putting us to sleep. We had to do something. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, I think we'll sign off for this episode. Yeah. All right. We'll catch you later. Uh, peace, everybody. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.